Let's talk about the seven days of Kwanzaa. Let's also discuss the benefits of positive self-talk. What about encouraging critical thinking? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. Action is more important than meditation. The Dalai Lama. So we've come to that time of the year. So it's a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and Happy Holidays from me. So this week we've had the Sports Personality of the Year. Um, and I'm really happy to say two of my favourite young people in the public eye have got their just deserves thus far. So they've uh, Hamilton, um, Lewis Hamilton, he got um, Sports Personality of the Year for the second time. Um, and Marcus Rashford got the Expert Panel Special Award um, in the same ceremony. So marvellous stuff. I mean, it would have been really out of order if they hadn't got awards for this year because they've, they've been remarkable. They've, they've done groundbreaking, historic things equally, in equal measure. So, yeah, really proud of them guys, man. Long may it continue. And as I said, um, you know, the Queen needs to check her list. People need to start nominating them for them higher awards. Um, the OBEs and all of that and the SIRS and stuff like that. But um, but either way, to be fair, um, regardless of the awards or not, um, these guys are, are, are champions and, and should also be held up high. Although... I did see Lewis, I've got to say, man, I, I, I do, I love Lewis and I love what he does and I love what he stands for, but I saw him, um, a clip of him feeding his, his bulldog, you know, sharing a cake with his bulldog, going backwards and forwards with it, um, you know, that, 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 that we can drop out, <laughs> that part we can definitely drop out, but yeah, he obviously loves his dog dearly, but um, yeah, he definitely wouldn't catch me doing that with no dogs, but yes, um, so yeah, these guys won. Um, this, but this, this, this week we've had some historical stuff, real historical stuff. Um, so Jamaica um, welcomes uh, the historic flights from Nigeria to Jamaica. They're, they're about to start um, making that happen. Um, it's never been done before. Um, so I hope, I hope it, you know, they've cemented the deal and it, you know they make it happen because um, that's going to be really. You know, that's going to really open up, make the world a lot smaller and, you know, um, people be able to go directly from Jamaica, from uh, Montego Bay, um, straight to um, Sangesta International Airport in Lagos. Um, so, yeah, so they've done a test run this week. I believe it was a test run. Um, and it was, it's a non-stop flight as well. I believe, it took, uh, I believe it's a 12-hour flight. I'm not sure if that's a uh, return, but, um, yeah. But either way, I mean, regards to the time, it's, it's definitely going to be worth doing. And I'm, I hope, I'm just glad to hear that they've done it. Um, uh, yeah, you, you wouldn't have thought. Um, I suppose it would have been, a, you know, you would have had to go various places if, if people wanted to go from, from Jamaica or from the Caribbean um, to get there. And, and the fact that the Caribbean is so small and islands are so small, you know, regardless of what island you're on, it's not going to be too much to get to Jamaica first. Um, and then go straight to Africa. So hopefully we can, you know, have more of us going back to the motherland and, you know, and understanding where we, where we really come from, you know, and, and, and maybe even pick up the language. That, that'd be an amazing thing. That's, that's something that I really find really sad, considering, you know, the 50-plus countries um, in the continent of Africa and all the languages that are there. Um, and, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any... Well, there must be places where you can facilitate um, learning the language, you know, outside of Africa. But, you know, you see loads of places around the world where you can learn Japanese, Mandarin, Spanish, French, all of these other languages. But you, you never hear about the, where to go to um, teach the African languages. I, for one, would definitely love my kids to learn the African language, especially um, the young ones, because obviously they can absorb it a lot more. So, so maybe things like this, you know, that, that travel corridor, um, will make those sort of things a lot easier, you know, because, um, you know, if, if your kid can learn, if your children can learn um, Nigerian, uh, you know, whether it's Igbo or Yoruba 
or Hausa, um, and then the Ghanaian languages. I think that'd be a, those would be a good place to start. I think I feel. But what do I know? Any language, I suppose, any of the the languages from the motherland would be good for our young people to learn and adults. Um, so yeah, so that historic historic situation. Um, Okay, so um, to speak in Africa, um, the UK has now got a travel, um, a travel ban in regards to Africa due to um, another variant, and they say he's coming out of South Africa. So pretty much anybody who's um, come out of South Africa in the last 10 days um, won't be allowed into the UK um, for the moment. Um, so we, we'll see how that goes. But I think it's quite interesting, you know, I think South Africa's population, like there's 59 million people in, in South Africa and they've had 25,000 deaths um, to date. And the UK's um, population is 68 million and they've had 68,000 deaths to date. So, you know, I think that's, that's something to bear in mind. I, th I thought that was quite interesting um, when you look at those numbers and how... how um, how many people have? How much more people have died here? But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how things go with that. Um, but I've, I'm pretty sure this. I think it's quite normal for these um, viruses to change, and I'm pretty, things move so fast. By next week, we'll probably have a couple more mutations. Um, but the good things, the good thing about it, they said, is it's not more more fatal or, or anything like that. It's just more transmissible. So hopefully, um, you know, it doesn't affect too many more people as time goes on um but you know we're in tier four you know most of the, most of the people i think it's around six million people um across the uk are now in tier four um and i'm pretty sure by january we'll all be in tier four you know i'll, I'll be really surprised if, it's, if that's not the situation um so yeah i mean if anybody was driving around over christmas um over boxing day um, I'm sure you would have saw the signs on the A roads or, or the motorways saying, you know, stay at home. And I just think it's really surreal, man, you, you know, just driving around and, and seeing signs like that. It really still, as much as we've been going through this for about a year now, just under a year, it still feels like you're, like I'm in, like I'm in a movie. You know, it still seems a bit surreal. Um, but yeah, but according to um, John Hopkins um, University, um, it's only the US, Brazil, India, and Mexico and Italy that have recorded more deaths um, for, than, um, from coronavirus than the UK. So, so yeah, um, you know, and thoughts and prayers get to everybody who's been touched by coronavirus, you know, all the deaths, whether it's directly died um, whilst uh, testing positive or tested positive and died through complications that um, come off of the back of that. Um, and I think as time's going on, more and more of us know people who directly have had been infected or have had, um, who, who have died from complications um, related to it. And to those people who don't believe there's a virus or don't have any, yeah, they don't believe there's a virus, um, you know, obviously people are, are dying. So you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, whether you believe that. I think, I think most people believe there is something. I don't think there's anybody really, I'd be surprised if there's people that believe, don't believe people are uh, dying. Sorry, I'd be very surprised if there's people out there that believe that there is nothing new going on and there are no people dying from a new infection. So for those people, I just say, forget the word COVID. Forget, if, if, if it's the word that's the problem, forget that. Let's just um, have some empathy for the people that are dying for, from this new infection. Let's just say new infection. And let's not get caught up in the word and all of that stuff. Because um, people are dying at the end of the day um, of, of different things. Uh, you know, there, are, there is something new going on out there. So, yeah, I just thought I'd say that because I, I, I have people that I know who have um, been affected um, by coronavirus um, so whether it's directly or indirectly. So yeah, um, so yeah, that, that is the situation with that. So yeah, we, you know, the numbers are just getting higher and higher. So hopefully we get on top of that sooner rather than later. 
Um, but in regards to um, young people, um, thankfully, thus far this week, um, there's been no lives, no young people's lives um, ended through um, youth violence this week. So that's, a, that's really a good thing. That's always a good thing. Um, although um, it, there was um, talks about um, the young boy that um, lost his life a little while back to Sean Eard. Um, this is a young boy from Hackney who the um, pupil referral unit pretty much failed him. Um, um, he was 15, um, and it was in it was in May, May 2019, um, after being excluded. Uh, yeah, after him, he was excluded in um, 2017, and he died in May 2019. Um, sent to the the PRU, the Alternative Provision, and basically through through that whole situation, that whole time, obviously he he changed as a, as a young person. You know, started to get into different things and stuff. Um, but they had a serious case review um, in regards to his um, exclusion. And, you know, um, they found that um, his exclusion was a catalyst um, to his deterioration in his behaviour, you know. Um, so, and they also spoke about um, the opportunities that were missed um, to help him. You know, we've got to bear in mind this boy was only 15 years old and, and he, you know, at the time when his life was taken, he was stabbed nine times um, during a a planned attack, you know, died in the alleyway. Um, and actually, three months before that, he was also stabbed, you know, spent a, f a few weeks in, in hospital then. So this was the second attack, the fatal one. So, but this thing about, um, you know, when, when kids become, I don't know, uh, unmanageable or they've been, you know, been to the head teacher's office too many times, so then they look to um, send you to the pupil referral unit, um, you know, so sometimes it's, it's, it's not the best thing. I, I, I think schools, I've said this before, schools should try their damnedest to keep the kids in school, even if they have, and some schools do actually have this, where they have a section of the school where the kids that would have gone to approve will go and they'll spend their time there and they're taught there. And I think that's much better than send them to a totally new building and a totally new environment with all the kids that are all in you know, the same situation, because, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it just doesn't benefit them, and, and this is, this is a, an example. So I hope that the lessons have been learnt from this situation. Um, I hope something good comes out of this, because obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a horrid situation for the family, and it will be that forever for them, you know, it's, it's a major loss. But if some good can come of it, you know, for kids that, that are, you know, being kicked out of school, um, you know, if we can keep them in mainstream education, I think I think I think we'll we'll be a lot better. If that means funding, I mean, the money that proves are given, maybe that money needs to be pushed into the schools. You know, to provide for those kids rather than having them move from from schools. These that's just my thoughts. Um, but if there are any young people out there that you know that want to speak to somebody. Um, you can, I mean, they know this, but maybe it's worth reiterating, you know, they can speak to Childline, you know, on 0800 um, 1111. Um, I know the times have changed for them to, to, through the um, coronavirus times. Um, so I think the times now are from 7.30 a.m. to 3.30 a.m. So those are the times um, people can speak to. So, yeah, if there's any young people going through stuff, you know, ha they're in some beef or got some issues with a, another group of young people, there are people you can speak to. Obviously, you've got your parents you can speak to, you've got your, your, your teachers you can speak to. But if you want to speak to somebody independent, like I said, Childline is somebody you can, you can speak to anonymously, you know, and get some advice as to how to deal with it. You're, you're, not, you're definitely not alone. And it's better you speak to somebody like that than end up in a situation where you're you're fighting for your life, you know. So, so yeah, and and maybe parents, parents, we need to speak to our young people and let them know as well. Obviously, it's not we would like them to speak to us, but sometimes they don't feel able to speak to us. So, give them a, a, another option, you know, an, an impartial option, you know, somebody who's definitely not going to judge them and somebody who they don't necessarily have to see. That that might change the whole dynamic and that might actually save their life. You know, because at the end of the day, it is about them speaking. And it, sometimes it's better they speak to a professional who has no tie to them. They're not going to get emotional about anything they're going to say. 
So yeah, so Childline definitely is a number to, that everybody should have in their phone really. If you've got kids, um, you should have it in your phone and you should be passing it on to your children as well. So on another note, um, a doctor, um, a black female doctor, um, uh, has basically, she's died from um, COVID in America. Um, but prior to that, she was alleging um, racist um, issues in regards to her care. And she made a video prior to her dying um, and she, when she was staying in Indiana University Hospital. Um, her name was Susan Moore. Um, and she pretty much was saying, you know, she, she had to beg for treatment. You know, obviously she's got an, had an, she had an understanding of what she needed and, you know, being a medical person, but she still had to beg for treatment, she felt. Um, so, yeah, um, and after a few weeks, um, she basically lost her life. So, so that is really sad and, and, and really telling. I mean, it's, it's something that happens a lot, and, you know, sometimes people kind of dismiss it as a conspiracy theory and, you know, people blaming race and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, people are people, you know, not because you're in the medical profession uh, and you're about caring for people. That doesn't mean that you are going to be exempt from having racial, racial or bigoted views. And we're not saying everybody does, but, it, you know, you get, you get people who are uh, people of God that have racial views. You have police that have racial views. You have, you know, good, bad and indifferent. The, you know, we do get, you do have people like that. So this was something that she, she felt um, was happening to her. Um, and yeah, and, th and there's been papers, you know, there's a, there was a paper, um, 2005 paper published um, in the American Journal um, of Public Health um, stating that most um, healthcare um, providers appear to have um, an implicit bias in terms of positive attitudes towards whites and negative attitudes towards people of colour. So, you know, there are, these things are not just pulled out of the sky. Um, but I'm hoping that um, Susan Moore's um, situation gets investigated and, you know, not just because she's passed, now it just gets kind of swept under the carpet. I hope it gets addressed um, because, again, hopefully something positive can be pulled out of that because obviously there's people to come after her, you know, and she's not the first person to have have said um, they feel that they, they received a substandard um, care based on their race. So, yeah, I think that's really important. Um, there, was, there was a show, I think it was last year I watched it, called Mafia. So when I, when I um, read about this, I thought I'd, I thought I'd bring this um, to the pod today. Um, yeah, so Mac Mafia um, is basically a Russian, about Russian money laundering and, and how um, Russian gangsters... Um, use the UK um, and the stock market and, and various things like that um, to launder their money and stuff. So, um, so I think they've they've not, there's an order that's come out, um, which is uh, was it unexplained uh, unexplained wealth order basically, and they I think they kind of nickname it that McMafia order unexplained wealth order. Um, but anyway, um, a woman um, Samir Samira um, Hajeva. Hajiva or something like that. I can't really pronounce her surname. But um, she's in the Supreme Court um, trying to overturn um, her order. Um, but she, she failed at that. Um, she, at this, at this moment in time, um, she basically spent 16 million um, at Harrods. Um, so obviously with that, along with various properties, along with her husband who's, who's jailed, been jailed in Azerbaijan, um, he's a banker, um, and he, they've got a home which is worth like eleven point five million. Um, but basically, when you when you get one of these orders, these um, unexplained wealth orders, you need to be able to explain and prove how you bought um, your property. So, you know, obviously with her, it's not just this property. It's not that just the sixteen million she spent in Harris. There's various other things she's she has um, involvement in. But you know, to date, she ain't been able to prove it. So she is going to either prove it or lose it, pretty much. That's how that works. So, yeah, word to the wise. Um, you know, the, these are the kind of laws and these are the kind of lengths that um, the authorities go to um, when they're trying to reclaim or, you know, um, 
find out where people are getting their wealth from and stuff. So, yeah, I thought it was an interesting case. So I'll be watching that, see how it pans out. But it, it kind of sounds like she's exhausted all of her options thus far, unless she can pull something out of the bag at the last minute. Um, another a sad statistic, um, 9 out of 10 um, children on remand in London at the moment um, are from a BAME background, you know, um, which is crazy because, I mean, especially in regards to the black, because, I mean, there's no hiding the fact that, um, you know, prisons are disproportionately filled with um, black, black people. Um, but nine out of ten, you know, that's just crazy, crazy, crazy. And, and remember, if you're on remand, you haven't been convicted. You know, this is the judge saying, we haven't found you guilty yet, but we don't want you on the street um, during this time. We want you to um, be, in prison, be in prison during that time. So, so yeah, I mean, these things, uh, yeah, these things definitely have to be looked into. Um, it was it was basically um, the transform uh, transform justice um, uh, requested they requested it under the um, Freedom of Information Act and they requested the statistics and whatnot and it showed that um, also showed that eighty seven percent of children um, on remand uh, in the capital between July and September were from uh, the Bain background while sixty one percent were black. So, you know, just to emphasize how, because obviously they use BAME and that covers quite a few, but 61% um, were black out of that 87. So very high number, man. Um, and it kind of ties into the, the Lambie report because he, he really did break that down quite elegantly. Um, and yeah, it's just playing out. So hopefully they, they start to deal with that, you know, and obviously we've got other things on our plate being Brexit, which Boris um, supposedly has sorted out now. So hopefully that'll be something we don't hear too much of in the new year, but I doubt it very much. Um, obviously we've got um, COVID we're still dealing with. Um, and then we've, but we, you know, this Black Lives Matter thing is, you know, running through, through the year, you know, and it'll be running furthermore, you know. So we do need to address things that are associated to that. And that is definitely one of them that's been ongoing for a very long time. You know, the disproportionate amount of black people in prison. Um, and yeah, needs to be addressed, definitely. So, um, and also another thing that needs to be addressed um, is the, the family wealth um, of black people in the UK. So um, the Resolution Foundation, um, did a report um, basically breaking down uh, family wealth. So family wealth includes um, pension wealth, um, net property wealth, net financial wealth, um, net physical wealth, net your business assets, things like that. Um, and basically the report um, found that um, the, the assets, uh, the typical assets um, for uh, black African, people of um, African descent is 24,000. Um, £24,000 per family and um, per adult, rather, not per family, per adult. Um, and this is like less than an eighth um, than white, uh, white British um, household. So white British household would be like um, 197000 uh, per per adult. So 24000 for black, black, people of black African descent versus 197 um, for a white person, which is crazy, you know. Um, and then they went on to break down. Um, so with Bangladeshi, people who are Bangladeshi, um, theirs would be um, 31,000 um, per um, family wealth per adult. Um, and people who are mixed black and white, mixed black and Caribbean, sorry, white and Caribbean will be um, 41,000. So if you're black... African uh, Caribbean descent, you're right at the we're right at the bottom of the list, you know, with twenty four thousand, and that plays into many different things, you know, um, whether it's crime, whether it's opportunities, you know, it, it it's very telling, it's very telling. So all of these things, I'm just glad that people are speaking about these things and, and breaking them down and highlighting the 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 disconnect or the 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 you know the gaps, you know. 
because these, these, these gaps come from somewhere and they're, they're happening for a reason and they definitely need to be addressed. Even down to um, savings. Um, what did they say? They said um, uh, Bangladeshi and um, Black Caribbean ethnicity um, households in the UK um, had less than £1,000 um, on average um, in their family savings. Um, so that's, that's the money, you know, if, if you lose your job and whatnot, if you've got the, the less money you have, the less money you're going to be able to survive, the less money you've got in savings, the less time you're going to be able to survive. So they always say a good marker is to have um, about six times your, your annual income. Sorry, not annual income, monthly income. If you can have six times your monthly income, that usually could hold you over until your next job if it, if it takes you extra long to get into work. But like they said, on average, you know, we've got about a thousand pounds and obviously that's not everybody. But yeah, so that's an issue. And these gaps definitely need to be addressed and sorted out. So um, we are in this, this holiday season. Um, Christmas is over. By the time you're hearing this, Christmas is over. Um, but we now go into, well, I say Christmas is over. For some, some of us, Christmas goes on until you pretty much go back to work sometime in January or until New Year's Eve. But yeah, pretty much after Boxing Day, I suppose it's, it's over as far as the calendar is concerned. But Christmas, the day, sorry, Boxing Day coincides with the first day of Kwanzaa. So those that don't know Kwanzaa, um, Kwanzaa is um, it's less than 60 years old. Um, it was uh, founded by a man named Milan Mulena um, Karenga, um, who is a black nationalist, um, later became a college professor, and he's the person who created it. And he created it um, to empower um, the African-American community. Um, and many people celebrate both, you know, um, they adhere to both. You know, it, remember, uh, Kwanzaa's not a... It's not a religious holiday, it's a cultural holiday, you know, so it's, it's very different from Christmas. But so, so most people, um, some people um, do deal with both. But I do hear some people like, yeah, I'm not doing Christmas, I just do Kwanzaa. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's up to, it's up to um, each family to decide. But I think Kwanzaa's a really good, um, it's a good celebration to have, because like I said, it's about culture. You know, that, that is really what it's about, culture and empowerment. So um, so each day, have they have Swahili names, which I'm not going to go through the Swahili names. You can check that out yourself. But I'll tell you what the, the, the names mean. So you celebrate seven days. It's like I said, starting from uh, Boxing Day. And the first day is about unity. That's about, you know, talking about unity amongst your family, etc., and acknowledging unity. Um, the second day is um, self-determination. The third day is collective work and responsibility. So looking at that. Um, the next day is co cooperative economics. And the day after that is purpose. And the day after that is creativity. And then the final day is around faith. So throughout that time, you know, there's various things you can do, you know, if you're doing it fully, you know, there's a lighting candles, there's giving gifts, there's, there's various things, there's a the food, there's a the decoration, all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, just at the bare minimum, you know, just acknowledging that that is a period for um, people of African descent to, to look at their culture um, and, and come together as a family, I think it can only be a positive thing can only be a positive thing and I think we should do more of it and make more noise about it you know so yes that is something that I will be um acknowledging over these coming seven days um so you know but we are in that holiday period you know like I said we just done Christmas we've got um Kwanzaa now and you've got New Year's coming up as well um and obviously we're in this tight lockdown which is pretty much looking like our original lockdown in in April May so um you know people are locked into uh situations maybe that they they wouldn't be in as much so there is more domestic violence than there has been um in the past so that domestic um abuse number is 0808 2000 247 
if anybody's being affected by domestic violence or the threat of, or know somebody that is, and you can call that number in confidence um, and get support and ensure that you're safe. Um, and, you know, obviously through this time, I know, I mean, me, even me, I, I've eaten a lot over this holiday period. You know, I make a point of, you know, no holds barred, you know, with all the sweet food over this period of time. And then, you know, into the new year, I go hard in the gym and stuff. But, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't advocate people do that because it's, it's, it's not the best thing to do, especially in this time when we should be eating healthy and, and being mindful of that. But, um, you know, I'm not a saint, you know, I'm not a monk. So, <laughs> you know, I do, I do like my food and stuff. So, yeah. But generally, I will always be promoting you know, nourish your body, you know, nourish your body, eat right, you know, um, drink a lot of water, you know, daily, you know, get fresh air, get some physical exercise, you know, just, just generally be healthy, do what you can do to be healthy. Um, but I, I must say, leading up to this holiday period, and not even just leading up to the holiday period, that's, I suppose that that's where it kind of climaxed, but throughout the year, if there's something I've noticed, and I'm to, when, Kind of, this is kind of connected to nourishing your body because in a different way, mentally, because there's been so much negative talk throughout this year. And I, and I understand why it would happen. You know, we've, we've gone through a lot in 2020. But you don't, we don't have to speak about things in a negative context all the time. You know, we don't have to have that negative talk all the time. You know, we can talk about positive things and we can talk about things that are not, maybe not seemingly as positive in a more negative um, way as well. So I think we should be, I, I'd say, you know, we should all try to be mindful of that. You know, we can choose what we talk about. We can choose what we listen to. We can choose what we watch. So whatever, and we can choose how we speak to ourselves. That is the main thing. We can definitely choose how we speak to ourselves. Um, but what really prompted me to, to even mention that is the, you know, all the talk about Christmas, you know, Christmas is cancelled and all, all of the negative stuff that, you know, it, it wasn't cancelled. You know, we got for it. You know, if you listen to this, you got for it. Um, and it might not have been what we, what we would have chose if there was no challenges happening, um, but we got through it, you know, and it wasn't cancelled at all, you know, it's, and, and, and Kwanzaa won't be cancelled and New Year's won't be cancelled. These are days, these are times, and they, they are what you make it. it, does it is it going to go how you thought it was going to go, like it was last year, like it was two, three years ago? Maybe not, but it doesn't mean it's cancelled. So all that negative talk, you know, I, I heard that so much, you know, coming out the TV, the radio, friends, yeah, we need to start, you know, being conscious about what we're talking about. It's really important. Um, and also, I mean, that, that kind of leads into people projecting um, their anxieties, you know, um, onto, onto other people. You know, they feel a certain way. Um, so, you know, they just project it on whoever's around them, whoever will listen. Um, and that's not helpful either, you know. And I don't think, I don't, it's not something people really do on, on, on purpose. You know, if people are feeling anxious about stuff, um, they just tend to project without realising it. So you have to sometimes just protect yourself, you know. And if you recognise that somebody is projecting um, their anxieties and their negativity on you because of how they feel, maybe you need to speak about that or maybe you need to... Uh, distance yourself you know unless you can navigate around it maybe that's what you need to do but um and if you are somebody who does project your anxieties on other people maybe you should be reflective and, and think about you know is this something that I want to put on other people I'm not doing it on purpose but this is how I feel but maybe empathizing with other people that maybe um are in a better space or are in a good space or maybe you're in a worse space and you're making it worse by projecting. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't talk, you should talk. Um, but it's about finding uh, the right person and, and making sure you're not just projecting your anxiety on other people. Yeah. So, uh, to be fair, as I'm saying it, it's probably easier said than done when you're in that situation. But this is why you know we have various um, services uh, that you can you can 
you, you can get support from, like Samaritans, you know, you can speak to. I mean, th- that is what these services are for. A service like Samaritans or, or Mind, you know, you call these places and, you know, if you've got anxiety, you can give it to them just how you're feeling. You know, you can be open and honest. And that's probably the best place to do it rather than somebody who's going through the same things that you're going through and finding it challenging as it is and then projecting your stuff onto them, you know. Um, so, yeah, I know I'll, I'll probably I'll give out some of the numbers for Mind and Samaritan um, later on. Um, but, yeah, as well, as well, you've got, um, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around, uh, definitely around the COVID thing. Um, there's loads of conspiracy theories around that. And, you know, some of it might turn out to be true. Some of it may just remain in the conspiracy theory box. Um, over time, um, time will tell. Um, but what I'd say um, is, you know, have, being sceptical about what's being said, um, you know, by official sources, mainstream media, um, we should be sceptical. There's nothing wrong with being sceptical about stuff that comes out of mainstream media. Um, so, and that's healthy, you know, that is healthy. But also, we should be sceptical about information that we get from alternative experts. Um, you know, where, wherever we get that information from, whether it's the internet, whether it's stuff we've read, whether it's somebody, something somebody told you, we should be sceptical about that. Why not be sceptical about everything? You know, I, I speak to a lot of people and, you know, there's no, there's no shortage of scepticism about mainstream sources, mainstream media, which is fine. But there's not, I don't hear a lot of scepticism about the alternative um, information and the alternative experts. And all I say is, you know, I'm not, I'm not batting for either side. I'm just saying, be sceptical about information, period, you know. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, critical thinking, I'd encourage critical thinking, you know, and and, and non-biased um, thinking. So I think we should do more of that. I think we'll feel better doing that as well and, and we'll be clearer about what we're talking about and, and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, um, yeah, there's, there, there's, I think a lot of people that... Um, that believe in conspiracy theories, you know, generally, if you, you know, we all know, we all know somebody, I'm sure, as you're listening to this, we all know somebody that believes in conspiracy theories heavily, more than others, yeah, um, and they, they generally see themselves as um, healthy sceptics um, and self-taught, self-taught researchers on really complex issues, you know, um, and as I said, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. All I, like I said, for me, I think it's just wise to be sceptical about mainstream and the alternative stuff. You know, I think that's well balanced. Nothing wrong with that at all. Balance is the key. Balance is the key to everything, I think, to be fair. I think balance is the key to most things. But yeah, um, but going back to the numbers, I said I was, I'd give you those numbers um, for the services people can speak to about their, their, their anxieties, stuff they're going through, whether it's um, self-reported um, mental health issues, um, emotional health issues, or just somebody to talk to, to get things off your chest, who's um, impartial, who, you know, who, who people are not, that are not going to judge you. So you've got Samaritans, um, their number's um, 116123. And then you've got um, Mind, you can get them on 123 double three nine three so like i said mind um the mind is a mental health service mental health charity um and they're for non-urgent information in regards to mental health support and services um and then samaritans um is basically a place for you to talk um just talk in your own way say what you need to say and it's non-judgmental and it's anonymous as well so that's, those are good numbers to have in your phone. And even, even if it's not for you, you know, no doubt, no doubt in the coming year, 2021, you, you're definitely going to meet somebody who will benefit from having those numbers. So, yeah, nothing wrong with just putting those in your phone. And even if you want to give them a call to just find out what they do, you don't, you, maybe you don't need them at this point, but no harm in, in finding out 
you know, what they do and how they can support your friends or you in the future. So, yeah, definitely good numbers to have. So, um, Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. I found out about the Noah's Ark um, Conservation Park that they're building in South Africa. They've got um, like 100 um, square kilometres um, on the north coast of Africa in KwaZulu. Um, and they're building a, the biggest com, uh, conservation project in history. This is their plan. They started it in August this year, 2020. Um, and yeah, it's supported by His Majesty, the King of the Zulus, and the leader of um, the... Uh, I, I can't even pronounce it. In, in Kozi Tembe. Um, yeah, so the, the leaders of both regions. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's got full backing. You know, they're looking to get um, animals, all all species of animals within this conservation um, to um, protect the endangered species um, and have breeding programs and stuff like that. So, so yeah, the modern days, um, Noah, modern day Noah's Ark, you know, without the, the boat and the water. But um, yeah, very interesting. So yeah, I'd... Definitely suggest have, have, a, have a look at that. That's, that's quite interesting. Something to look at with the kids as well, maybe. Um, you know, if you're into the environment and endangered species and stuff like that. Definitely a good talking point. Um, so unfortunately, talking about, you know, the earth, um, this time of the year comes the, the wind and the, and the rain and the storms and stuff. So we're, we're, the UK is dealing with Storm Bella at the moment. Um, even as I'm recording this, like I can hear it battering the windows outside. Um, so yeah, it's, it's happening now. But um, fortunately, I don't live in the part of the world where you get the floods and stuff. Um, but in other regions, like the southern parts, the coastal parts, um, there's been um, floods. Um, there's, I think it's in Bedford. Near Bedford, the uh, 1,300 homes had to be evacuated over Christmas. So, yeah, um, they definitely haven't had a nice time. And obviously, meanwhile, this is going on and people being evacuated and dispersed and stuff like that. And, you know, COVID is still going on as well. So I'm, I'm sure no, the social distancing thing has to go out the window because obviously you have to save your immediate threat to life, which is um, not drowning, you know, and stuff. So, yeah, I really feel it for them, you know. Yeah, it must feel like um, a real battering you know physically through the weather and and metaphorically with that and covid and everything else and it being christmas as well so yeah very hard very challenging so hopefully that doesn't last too long um but they are recording i think at the moment they're recording like 80 mile an hour winds and stuff and the rain's um consistent as well so hopefully that'll be sorted out soon but on a lighter note um coming to america too is coming out in March um, 2021. Um, still with Eddie Murphy and playing Prince Hakeem. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody, I can't imagine people haven't seen Coming to America, the original one. So we don't need to go into what that is. But yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a, a bit of light comedy. It's, it's one of those light ones. You know, you won't have to use your brain to watch it. But I'm sure Eddie, Mur Eddie Murphy's consistently funny, you know, so... It's always nice to see Eddie Murphy in, in something new. I think the last thing I saw him in was um, Dolomite on Netflix, um, which was a, like a bio biopic of, of Dolomite and the black exploitation. Um, that was really good. I did enjoy that. But yeah, but I think this one, this one is set. Um, this one is about him, him him discovering he had a son. So I won't go into it anymore. I haven't seen it, but I don't want to spoil nothing for anybody. But yeah, I think he discovers he had a son that he didn't know about. So yeah, we'll look out for that in, in March. Um, but something I did watch, I watched um, in passing. I didn't actually watch it on purpose. It just happened to be on and, and then I happened to hear this part. Um, so it was um, the Vicar of Dibley. Um, Vicar of Dibley with, uh, what's her name, Dawn French. That's it, with Dawn French. So she was, um, she'd done a piece um, and she spoke about um, Black Lives Matter um, and she, she took the knee within this sketch. The, the, I, I caught it kind of midway, but um, she took the knee and she was, she was speaking about Black Lives Matter and how, 
you know, just, I won't, I won't go into what she fully said, but she, it, was, it was pro, you know, this is something that needs to be sorted out. But, it, you know, it's a kind of a comedy show. It's, it's not a, a serious thing, but she kind of brought some of the key points into that. But guess what? She got 266 complaints. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems like any, anybody using their platform um, to talk about the black experience and the wrongs, um, you know, and, and, and things that we can do and, and moving things forward, um, will receive complaints um, via Ofcom. I'm not sure what Ofcom's um, said about it or if they're going to do anything about it. Hopefully not. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, I think it's silly. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's silly that these people are choosing to make complaints about people talking about real stuff, you know, things that affect real human beings, you know. Um, yeah, so yeah, 266 complaints. I'm sure by the time you listen to this, there'll be more complaints, but but hey. But yeah, definitely, look, I mean, like I said, it was not a serious documentary or anything, but she used her comedy platform um, to to make her point about it. You know, and obviously she, her, she being a, a white lady, she was married to Lenny, Lenny Henry. Um, I know they've got a, um, a child, an adopted child, adopted black child, black or mixed. I'm not sure, um, but yeah. So she, she has an understanding of, of the, 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 the issues um, of the, within the black experience. So I'm not really surprised that she did it. But yeah, definitely check that out. Find see what see what she was what she done there. Um, so I finally got round to watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Excellent, excellent piece of work. I, I really enjoyed that. Enjoyed the story. Um, I enjoyed um, Chadwick Boseman's character Levy, um, and um, Viola Davis played um, Ma Rainey. Um, the dynamics between them. I, I don't want to give away any of the story because yeah, it kind of it kind of had me, you know, you know, gripped and you know, following it, and it'd be quite easy to to mess it up for others but yeah definitely check that out you know Chadwick Boseman's last movie um yeah and he, he's his character yeah he's I mean the, 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 when you watch it on the surface you can see what it's about and you can see you know what what to take from it but then when you start speaking about it afterwards you get you do get more out of it I don't want to say too much I'm tempted to say what I'm thinking but yeah, definitely worth having a watch anyway. And and even for the historical value, the historical value alone is um is 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 worth watching for. Because I, I knew nothing about Ma Rainey. Um and she's a significant um player. I think they, they used to call her the mother of blues. So and she come before a lot of these blues artists that we, we know of. So um so yeah, definitely check that out. It's on um Netflix, worth watching. Um and the playwright, the person who, who wrote it as well, I didn't know much about him, but I, I know his work. So um, August um, Nelson. So he, he, he passed away in, um, I think it was 2005. But he's an American playwright, um, and he, he's the author of um, a series of plays, um, each of them set in different um, decades in the 20th century, about the black um, black American life, basically the Black American experience, and he got he won a um, a, Pul a Pulitzer Prize um, for two of them, um, Fences and The Piano Lesson, and Ma Rainey um, is his most recent um, piece of work that's been made into a film. Um, but yeah, he he's he was quite prolific. So yeah, I mean Fences, I haven't actually watched that yet. That's some, I've actually got it, um, but I saw it looked a bit deep. And I was like, yeah, okay, I need to be in the right frame of mind to watch that. Same like um, 12 Years a Slave. I haven't seen that yet um, for the same reason, but I will watch these. They are on my watch list, and it's usually over this period of time, over the holiday season, when I've got spare time to watch them. So I'll probably absorb those over the coming, um, coming days. Also, saying that, um, Harlem Gangster is another one that I want to watch, and I'm definitely going to watch that before... Yeah, before over this holiday period. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that. That's got um, oh, what's his name? Forest Whitaker. That's it, Forest Whitaker. Oh, what else did I watch? I watched with the kids. I watched um, uh, Fringe. Oh, what was it called? The 
Christmas movie. Um, Fringe of, you know, you know, what? I'm going to speak about that in the next podcast because I, I can't remember the name, the title. I don't want to give out the wrong title, but that was really good as well. So yeah, um, so in regards to yeah, so also yeah, so what I was saying, um, August August Wilson, he's the way he's written his work. I really like the way he writes his work, and I'm, I really like the fact that he's he's put together um, this this body of work and these plays, and they've been made into these plays of the black. American life experience so it kind of it kind of reminds I wouldn't be surprised if he is the inspiration for Steve McQueen's um small acts um body of work because it's, it's it's kind of you know he's kind of done the same thing but he's doing it from the the black British perspective um so yeah maybe maybe I'll have to look at it. maybe there's an interview where where um, Steve McQueen speaks on that, where he got the idea to do that stuff. But yes, okay, other than that, um, the book that I've been asked to um, uh, put out there this week is Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams. Um, it's a dark um, comedy um, and with an unflinching, raw depiction of a young woman trying to navigate her way in the world. Um, it's about identity, independence, and carving your own path. So yeah, this is um, a, a good book. You know, if you're looking for something to to get your 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 brain stuck into, Queenie by Candice Carty Williams, definitely one to look out for. So look, we are coming to the end of the year. Um, it's been a really interesting year. It's been a challenging year, um, but we can continue to talk about the year we could talk about the past year we could talk about the present year we could talk about the future year coming up 2021 but we don't have to have that negative talk all the time we don't have to have that negative self-talk more importantly the how we speak to us is so important how we speak to us when i say us how we speak to ourselves is so important you know the kind of things we say about ourselves the kind of things we we have going over and over in our head you know, it's important. We, and, and that's something we can control. We can't control what people say. We can't control what's on the TV. We can't control what's on the radio. But we can control what comes out of our mouth. So I think, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll be a lot stronger and, and be able to deal with the challenges a lot better if we start to regulate that and monitor that. Yeah. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join me in the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney, and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.